And the blood, of course, is yours. That's the blood that's flowing, in case that wasn't clear. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 310 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers, product marketers, innovators, and entrepreneurs, and everyone who wants to have better, more successful products in the market. I'm your host, Nels Davis. So here's a phrase for you. You need to present your product at the next program review. If you're like a lot of product managers I know, that phrase sends chills down your spine. The program review, which is a place, a meeting where you present the status of your project as well as your future plans, often to a group of product leaders and often executives, this is a ripe opportunity for, you might call it missed opportunities at best. And now in reality, if you don't handle a program review well, if you don't present it well, it can turn into a bloodletting. And the blood, of course, is yours. That's the blood that's flowing in case that wasn't clear. The program review is really just one of the many types of business presentations that we have to do as product managers, and it's one of the more fraught of those. It's very high tension a lot of times, but the list of these presentations includes sales presentations, you know, where you might be talking to a prospect, you might be talking to an existing customer, you might be sharing a roadmap with customers, some of which who are unhappy, some of whom have specific things that they want to see on the roadmap that maybe you're not even going to talk about. Or you might be sharing a roadmap with executive leaders who, again, might have things that they want to see that aren't there. Or you might be pitching a new product or a new component. And all of these have their own challenges. I have my share of scars from things like program reviews going badly over the years, but I've also improved my skills over the years. And, you know, the reality is I now look forward to sharing my product. I did a demo like that today. But I still see product managers at all skill levels who are struggling with these presentations. And even the best leave missed opportunities. And the worst are doing no one any good and often ending up, as I said, bloody on the floor. So I thought it would be useful to talk about a few basic pointers for improving your presentations to improve their chances of success, whatever that success metric might be, in a pretty easy three-step way that I'll get into in the in a few minutes. So what does success look like in these kinds of situations? Well, maybe the program review board leaves the meeting feeling that the project is on track, the risks are being managed, and the scope and schedule are under control. That's your goal. Or if you're talking to a customer, maybe the customer is ready to sign up for another year or two of the offering because they understand how the roadmap will address their needs going forward. Or maybe you got that commitment from the executive leadership team to fund the first phase of your new product. In all these cases, if you've done a good job, you're also likely to get something like an attaboy or an girl from your colleagues for not boring them, for keeping them engaged, and for you not ending up lying bruised and bloody on the floor. I call the technique I'm going to share how to make your business presentation 10 times better in less than an hour with no design skills. It's a technique that I use when doing any presentation, and I found for me it works wonders and really does take my presentations to the next level or helps me maintain the level that people now expect from me. And when I teach this technique to other product managers, they often get really significant improvements and they often get commensurate recognition, which is awesome. They're not only representing their product well, 
but they're representing themselves well and so building their own brand and paving the way really to their advancement in the world of product management. Now this podcast is based on a live video that I put up on YouTube a few months ago and if, if you want to see some examples of the presentation issues I discuss in what I call the first pass, you can check out that video. As you probably know, I do a weekly live video cast on YouTube on Monday nights at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can go to secretpmhandbook.com YouTube to be taken directly to my YouTube channel where you can find the old videos, subscribe, and get a link to the next live video. Just wanted to give that as an aside. Now, if this episode makes you think, gives you something you can start using to make your product presentations better, or otherwise seems valuable, Please consider sharing it with other product managers or with interested people, maybe other business folks who also have to give presentations. You can click the like button on this episode or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. These actions help other people discover the episode and the podcast. If you have comments, thoughts, complaints, or further insights for me, I'd love to get your comments and feedback. You can go to alltheresponsibility.com slash 310. You can leave me a comment by voicemail or you can just type in a comment. Also, I want to mention my upcoming online course to help you take your business presentations to even another level beyond the tips in this podcast. Being able to present well, in short, to be more persuasive, is one of the critical soft skills for everyone in business. In my course, we will work through a whole lot of techniques for up-leveling your persuasion skills and applying them to common business scenarios like these presentations, as well as other scenarios. The course is going to be available in late Q2 of 2019, and you can be notified when it's available by going and signing up on my list for the announcement, and I will also send you a little handout for my best persuasion tips. That's at secretpmhandbook.com persuasion. Now, all the links I mentioned are in the show notes, so don't worry about writing them down, but do visit the show notes to find them, and while you're there, please leave me a comment. So let's get started. Now, I've already mentioned how important persuasion is. It's one of the most important soft skills that you can develop as a business person. It's just critical to everything that we do in business. And so let me just start out by sharing six persuasion tips that I think you'll find valuable just in themselves. I'll do it very shortly. I do have a couple podcast episodes that go much deeper into these if you want to review those. Again, links in the show notes. I'll just quickly go through my six tips and then we'll tie those back into the things we're going to talk about for the business presentation itself. So the first tip is you really want to have a goal when you're giving one of these presentations. You don't just want to show up and throw up, give the audience all the information you might have about your product because that's not going to work. You kind of hope something, some of that stuff sticks, but the reality is it's not going to work for the audience. The second tip is you really want to use stories and not just facts. And there's a variety of reasons for this. Stories are really the best way to make an emotional connection with your audience. And the story might be a story about a customer. It might be your own story. It might just be a way that you're putting the facts that you're about to share into the context of somebody's problem and how you're solving somebody's problem. That may just be the, the simplest possible thing you can do for a story, but it incredibly increases the power of the facts that you tell if people understand why you're sharing those facts. Persuasion tip number three is to pre-handle objections. I'll talk more about this toward the end of the episode, but the goal here is you want to put yourself in your audience's shoes and anticipate what they're concerned about or will question, even if those questions never reach their conscious brains. When people have doubts, and they may have doubts subconsciously without even knowing it, they will not be as persuadable 
if you handle those questions proactively, their subconscious brain will calm down and they'll be much more ready to accept the things that you're telling them or asking them to do. Persuasion tip number four is to use conversational language. And this could mean a lot of things, I guess. Two of the easiest things to do to make your language more conversational is to make it about the audience. So, for example, you use the word you a lot. You say, let me tell you how this solution will help solve your problems. That is a way to get past the brain's filter against new information, is to use a conversational gambit. Another component of conversational language is asking questions. The human brain, again, because we're wired to be social, it really wants to answer questions. So if you ask a question, the human brain really is compelled to answer questions. Now, we can resist that compulsion if we want. That's a way to engage their brains. The brain will say, oh, there's something going on here. I I'm suddenly got committed to this, to this discussion because there was a question asked. Now, again, they might not answer it. They might either, they might resist answering it or they might not have an answer, but it is a way to make the audience be more engaged. Persuasion tip number five is about the path and the obstacles. The idea here is that you want to share with the audience the path or the journey that they or whoever is going to take to achieve the goals that you're presenting about. If you're presenting a new product idea, how you're going to get that product eventually to market. And you want to also talk about the obstacles. There's always going to be obstacles. And the audience wants to have their mind set at ease. Again, this is sort of like pre-handling objections about how you're going to address those obstacles, whether you're going to get around them or you're going to get over them. Somehow you want to share that because that will, again, help set their minds at ease. And then persuasion tip number six, which is going to come back again as well, is practice. What practice does is it allows you to sound like a human when you're giving your presentation. And the more you sound like a human, the more persuasive you'll be. And this has to do both with knowing the material better, because as you practice it, you're going to learn it better. You're going to learn how to say certain things. You're probably going to, as we talk about a little further along the line, as you practice, you're going to actually improve the structure of the presentation as well. Those are the six persuasion tips that I wanted to share before we get into the actual how to make your presentation 10 times better in an hour with no design skills. This hour of work on your presentation is not going to turn it into a TED Talk. This is what I call the minimum effective dose. It's the 20% of the work you need to do to get 80% of the benefit. It's like the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule. The tips I'm going to give you address the most common problems that I see with presentations. They're purely mechanical, so they're not really about content. They're a little bit about structure, and they're a little bit about sort of a standard of cleanliness or hygiene. They're not really about looks in the sense of design because you don't have to be a designer. I'm not a designer. If you follow these steps, in a lot of cases, your presentation is going to go from a C-minus type of level to a solid B or even a B plus. So if you think about the normal process where people put together a presentation, typically we're talking about, you know, somebody asks you to present to some executive team or to come to the next program review and talk about your product. The normal process is you grab the corporate template, you struggle with content, you may copy and paste from previous versions, you put in new stuff as you think about it. Oftentimes it ends up being an essay really in bullet form, so very wordy, lots of bullets, lots of words on each slide. And then you start doing some tweaking, tweak, tweak, tweak. And then when you get to the presentation, it does not go as well as you want and you might even fall flat. So this is not because you don't know what you're talking about. I'm assuming you know what you're talking about, that you're the expert, that 
you actually have all the information you need to make a good presentation. And these steps are going to help you essentially put that into a form that allows you to demonstrate that you are that expert. The process I'm going to tell you replaces really that tweak, tweak, tweak. And it's three simple steps, really. It's a formatting check, it's a content check, really a structure check, and it's practice out loud at least once. Very different from continuous tweaking. It's a lot more structured. So the first step is what I call pass one. It is about formatting things like spelling, grammar, consistency. You know, appearance is not everything, but if your presentation looks sloppy, then you will look less professional. And if your presentation got good hygiene, has got consistent formatting spelling, no grammar mistakes, you're going to look more professional, even if it's just bullets. And so you really want to spend some time on the basics. The things you want to look for are capitalization consistency. If you use a normal sort of content and bullet slide structure, put your title in title case, meaning every word is capitalized, and put your bullets in sentence case. And only capitalize words inside a sentence in your bullets if they're a proper name. That's the basic rule. If you do that, if you do that consistently, nobody will blink an eye. You want to check your grammar. One of the things that happens when you copy and paste stuff is often you lose verbs, you lose tenses, sometimes the subject and object don't match, and it can be very bad. And I, I have some examples of those things in the video that I mentioned. Again, you can find the link to the video in the show notes, but it's got some examples of actual PowerPoint slides that I've seen presented by professional people that had grammar errors. The other big thing that bothers me a lot, and I believe it bothers other people, is alignment. And this is particularly things like alignment of the bullets, so that the bullets all hang correctly at the right margin level and things like that. Really bothers me if I, if I see that messed up. And it, again, makes me feel like, well, that person maybe doesn't care if they have left their bullets so sloppy. So I think it's really important to spend some time on the basics. This can go very fast. If you have 20 slides in your deck, which is a lot of slides for a program review, you can do this in 20 minutes and get it all consistent. And then, of course, one of the things you want to get to is where your slides are always formatted consistently, where the spelling is correct, where the grammar is correct, where all the bullets are aligned correctly. That makes pass one kind of go away. You still want to do a check, particularly if you've been doing copying and pasting, because you want to check on the grammar. But once you've got your template set up, it makes it a lot easier. And if you know you're gonna, how you're going to capitalize everything. So that's the first pass, the consistency, the type, the grammar, that stuff. The second pass is structure. You've probably heard the phrase, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. As sort of a rule of thumb for an effective presentation. What does this mean? It means you want an agenda slide that says, here's what we're going to talk about. It means you want a summary slide at the end to say, here's what we talked about. In the middle, you're going to have content. And if you have a lot of content, you might want to think about structuring that content into sections. There's a lot of reasons for doing this. It turns out that people process information better if it's structured into chunks. So if you have three big ideas that you're presenting and you present them with no break between or no sectioning, no chapter headings, then your audience is going to be confused. And they're probably going to misapply their cognitive resources at different times because they don't know when to sort of gather all the information into one. And it may even be that when, when they realize that there was a transition, which is usually well after the transition started, if you don't give them some hints, they might forget the first part altogether. But if you give them section headers or chapter headers, you can think of them as chapter headers, 
that say we're going to talk about this topic now and then we're going to talk about this topic and you do that within the flow of the content you're going to help your audience grasp the information much better and process it much better so thinking about how you want to create sections or chunk up the information very important this also goes to the idea of flow is your information organized in such a way that it flows and it makes sense in a sequence if you have some of topic a at the beginning and some of topic a at the end and then topic b and topic c in the middle that's probably not the best way of organizing you might you probably want to have a section header that says oh now i'm going to talk about topic a section header that says topic b section header that says topic c and then at the end you have a summary that says i talked about a b and c thinking about the structure and how you've got the content structured is very important now i'm not making any judgments at all about the content itself you're the expert on that but thinking about that structure makes a lot of sense the final pass is to practice out loud once and this is probably the most time consuming if you have 20 slides it may take you half an hour to do this but this is the biggest impact of any single thing you can do to improve your presentation for several different reasons one is you're going to notice problems as you do this you're sitting there presenting slides on the screen speaking out loud you're going to notice things about the flow you're going to notice things about oh there's a typo oh there's an inconsistent capitalization and you can fix those things you're going to find problems you need to fix them now i usually use what i call the 10 second rule if i can't fix the problem in 10 seconds or at least know what i'm going to start what i'm going to do within 10 seconds i'll probably put it aside and come back to it but things like capitalization you can fix that right away and you should just fix it for the things you're going to come back to you might want to make a note now the other thing that's going to happen as you practice is you're going to get smoother you're going to be more relaxed you're going to be more confident in the content and that's going to come across as a higher quality presentation and then the final thing that it is super valuable about this practicing is you will probably start to anticipate objections because as you go through using your own voice you're going to start thinking about oh what if the back of your mind is going to start thinking about those things you want to make a note of those objections and make sure you handle them as you go through and refine your presentation because those are going to make your audience much happier if you've handled them so how do you do this the easiest way is to find an unused conference room and go in with your laptop assuming you have a laptop put your presentation into presentation mode you can stand up or sit down but then you start doing the presentation out loud and you can do it like it's real you can say thanks for coming to the presentation here's what i'm going to talk about or you can you don't have to necessarily be that real that's often a good way to do it though it does get you into the mindset that you're really presenting you don't have to worry about timing in this presentation in this practice session you can go really fast you don't have to but you can if you don't have much time and as you find problems you fix them now as you do this you want to pay attention to some of these things first of all don't read your bullets this is yet another thing that really annoys people if the presenter just goes up and reads the bullets this is one of the reasons you want to practice is because it gives you the opportunity to come up with alternative ways to express the idea and oftentimes you'll find that as you come up with that alternative way you can see ways to shorten the bullet which actually makes it less likely that you'll just read it typically you want the bullets to not be sentences but to be sentence fragments you also want to pay attention to whether the ideas are in the right order again this goes back to the question of structure you'll want to check do you need section headings so this step 2 and step 3 the step 2 the structure review and step three, the practice interact pretty strongly. 
the whole time you want to be thinking, are you keeping the audience's needs and desires in mind? So is this presentation giving them information that's useful and valuable to them? Or is it just you talking about stuff that you think is interesting? And you can also assess if there's too much information or not enough. If it seems to be taking forever to get through, even if you're rushing, it may mean that you have to cut. You also may just, as you go through, look at stuff and say, you know what, that's not that important, that piece of information, I'm going to cut it. Generally speaking, the less information you have on your slides and the less information you have in your pr presentation, up to a certain point, the better. Shorter, more compact presentations are usually better than long, detailed, dense presentations. Everybody knows this intuitively. But you know, the fact is that there's been a lot of times when I have started to do a presentation, gotten to the agenda slide, and never gone any further because the conversation has gotten so interesting based on the agenda slide or based on one of the slides that we come to and the whole conversation revolves around that and we never get to the rest of it. And that's not an uncommon situation. If you're doing something that's very engaging and where the audience is very interested in that topic. Those are the things you want to pay attention to as you practice. Don't read your bullets. Doing that structure check, is everything in the right order? Do you need section headings? Are you focused on the audience rather than your own self? And is the information at the right level? And is there enough of it or maybe too much? Now, you might have some questions about this process. For example, does it really work? Well, this is what I do, and it really works for me. And I've coached a lot of folks on how to do this process, and they all report really good success. So I think it really works. It's almost a priori that it works. And of course, I didn't make it up. I'm not the first person to say, review your slides, make them consistent, and practice. Lots of people have said that, so it's not just me saying it. One question is, do you really have to practice? And the answer is yes, this is the most important step. If you don't practice, you won't get all the benefits for sure. Now, what if you don't have time to practice? I guess my answer to that is you probably do have time to practice. You can skip something else. Maybe cut your lunch short. Maybe do it in the car on the way home. I don't know. Obviously, you don't want to be looking at slides while you're in the car on the way home, but you can still run through the script in your mind. What if you don't have a private place to practice? Well, you know, I know a lot of us often sit at our desks on the phone with our headphones presenting to customers or colleagues in an online meeting. Well, you can do that with this for this practice. You can just pretend you're in an online meeting and you're presenting your program review deck. Nobody needs to know that you're not really in an online meeting. I don't think you need a private place if it's a business presentation and you're sitting in your office. You can just do it as though you're in a real meeting. What if you know the material really well already and you don't need to practice? I think you probably still need to practice. You certainly can think about things like structure and chunking and creating sections and making sure that you're presenting in a way that is meaningful for the audience as opposed to meaningful for you. One of the biggest dangers we have as product managers is the curse of knowledge. We know everything. We know, we know a ton. And we know a lot of really technical stuff about our product or our project, whatever it might be. The fact is that our audience isn't that interested in that stuff. They're interested in that stuff to the degree that it helps them solve a problem or helps them address a desire or achieve an outcome that's desired. Even if you know your material really well, getting it to the point where it's about what the audience needs as opposed to what you know, that can often take a lot of practice. So I think you always have to practice. Now, what if you don't want your presentation to just be boring bullets? Well, that's outside the scope of what I've just talked about. Of course, if you have a designer that you're working with and it's cost-effective to do design work on this presentation, then of course you can work with a designer to make it more beautiful. 
A lot of times, though, we face this situation where we're giving a presentation where we might give it once or twice. It has to be done right away. And it's going to be bullets. That's just the way things are right now. If you have a designer, of course, you can work with them to make it beautiful. You want to make sure you have the ROI for that. You know that you're going to present something multiple times. And there are some things that you can't trust the designer for anyway. Like the structure. Is the content structured correctly? The actual content that goes on the slides, the designer isn't going to help you with that. So even if you have a designer, you still really need to go through most of this process anyway. And in fact, designers are often terrible at getting things like capitalization consistent. They sometimes want to capitalize everything, which doesn't look good. So even with a designer, you have to be careful to check, make all these checks yourself. Now, what if your slides are already formatted nicely, your capitalization is consistent, and you've practiced? Well, it sounds like you've already listened to this podcast. Why should you listen to me? It sounds like you're already doing the right thing. Maybe this is a refresher. Maybe you didn't learn anything in this podcast. But I'm about to tell you one more, drill into one more really important thing before I go. Really, this is about pre-handling objections. Now, I mentioned this as one of the persuasion tips at the very beginning, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about it because it's so fundamental. And it really ties into a lot of these things that I mentioned in terms of the, the structure review and what you come up with when you're practicing. What you're looking for and what you want to be able to intuitively determine is you want to know what your audience is going to be concerned about. Now, one of the joys of being a product manager is that our audience is everybody. In any given meeting that we might be in, there might be people from finance, from sales, from engineering management. There might even be a CEO in there. There might be customers. There might be prospects. There might be salespeople. Those people all have different things that they need, different problems that they have, different outcomes that they desire. And you need to be thinking about all of them and whether what you're presenting is addressing that or potentially raising issues for them. You know, if you're presenting to an audience like I just described, some people are going to be thinking about, well, what's the impact of the schedule? Some people are going to be thinking about, do we have the resource capacity to do this project? Some people are going to be thinking about, is this going to make my customers happy? Other people may be thinking about, is this going to be something I can sell to new customers? And so you have to be thinking about all those things and pre-handle a lot of those. For a lot of those, you're going to actually know the answer already. You're going to know, you're going to have an answer to a question that even if it's not asked, like, Will this be good for new customers? Will new prospects be excited about this? Well, if you already know the answer, you can say that answer. Now, you can either put it into an actual slide, and you have two options there. You can put it into a slide of objections and questions. You can pre-create a slide of questions, or you can mention it in the flow of the presentation. We think this feature is going to make the product really attractive to new prospects, and you can even be looking directly at the salesperson when you say that. Or you can say, and I know... Joe, the salesperson, I know, Joe, you're already wondering, is this going to be valuable to new prospects? We've talked to a lot of them, and we think that they're going to be really excited about it. So that's if you already know the answer. And what, to whatever degree you know the answer, you can tell them. Now, if you don't know the answer, you say, that's a really good question. We don't know the answer to that question. And let me get back to you and give them a time when you're going to get back to them. Now, sometimes you don't know the answer, but you've considered the question. And the phrase that you would use in that case is, you know, that's a really good question. We've been wondering about that and doing some research. We don't quite know which way we're going to go on that yet. Let me get back to you when we decide. Or would you like to be involved in the decision? That's a way to actually get the audience really involved in your presentation. So pre-handling objections, it's so important. And it, it actually makes a really tremendous difference. Now, another thing you can do for pre-handling objections, and this actually happened to me recently, 
I was in a program review where somebody presented about their project before I went. And I listened to the questions that the, the audience asked for the program before me. And I made a note of them. And so when I was presenting, I proactively answered those questions. In fact, many of them I already had, did actually have in my slides. But I made sure that I addressed the people that asked the question about the previous project, that I gave them the answer that, for that question we had for my project. It was very, very powerful. And it's just an example. You can win over an audience really easily if you listen to what they say, listen to their pains, and address those pains proactively. It's kind of like sales 101, but you should definitely try to do that. So let's talk about how you can start using the information in this podcast today. Well, obviously, it's organized into three steps. You can do those three steps. Whenever you do a presentation, you want to do that formatting check, make sure everything is consistent. You want to do that content check or structure check, making sure that you've got a beginning, a middle that might be structured into sections, and then an end, which is the summary. And, of course, you really want to practice out loud at least once. You'll be surprised at how much of a difference that makes. Well, I hope the ideas in this episode inspire you to take a little more time on your presentation to massively improve their effectiveness. Even simple tweaks and a little practice will help your audience and they will differentiate you from less skilled presenters, helping you build your brand. So if you want to learn more about persuasion, you can listen to my podcasts. I have several other podcasts about persuasion topics. I have some videos on persuasion, as I mentioned. You can sign up for the upcoming course. Let me know what you think about these ideas by going to alltheresponsibility.com slash 310 and leave me a voicemail or a written comment. And for more information and to find the links, again, that same page, alltheresponsibility.com slash 310. You can find links to my YouTube page with all my live and recorded videos there. Don't forget I do a live video series on YouTube on Monday nights at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. If you want to join me live and you can always watch those recordings. If you like this episode, please consider rating and reviewing it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends. And don't forget my online course to help you take your business presentations to another level. Now, I'm going to launch this course in late Q2 of 2019. You can get a handout on some of my best persuasion tips, and you can sign up for the announcement list at secretpmhandbook.com persuasion. And until the next episode, this is Nels Davis signing off. Thanks for listening. Ignition.